as we continue our study through Ephesians, it's obviously it's been several weeks since we've been there. And so by way of reminder, our, our last study, we looked at the realization of the sinfulness of man, that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, uh, that we were unworthy of the gift of salvation. And then we, we looked at this, this significant words in verse four that said, but God who is rich and in mercy. And we got to experience how God works in the midst of our sinfulness and how God is so merciful and gracious. Uh, and he ministers to us and he gives us the opportunity of fellowship and relationship and the gift of eternal life. But we are made alive in Christ. And so Paul introduces us in verse five to the idea that it is by grace we are saved. And now this week we get to look at that more in depth. So verse eight, we begin here, just looking at two verses today. Uh, Ephesians chapter two, verse eight, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Father, we thank you for your word and for the hope, the promises, and the life that you breathe into us through your word. And we pray that today you would do exactly that. You would breathe life. We pray that you would speak, God, in a mighty way, that you might transform us by the power of your spirit, and the truth of your word. Lord, I pray that you would give me a voice today as you see fit to speak your words. Lord, I pray that you would just minister to our hearts, draw us closer to you. It's in Jesus' name, amen. So starting out with that statement, for by grace you have been saved. As I said earlier, Paul introduced us to this idea. Now, it's not Paul for the first time in all of scripture who's introducing this idea. In fact, this, this is perhaps the theme of the entire Bible, grace. And we can look at the Old Testament. We can see there's times that God poured out judgment. I mean, he did wipe out the world with a flood, yes. But there was always grace Throughout every single circumstance, there was always grace. Yes, God wiped out the earth with a flood, but he spared Noah and his family as a, as a picture of grace and the ark being this beautiful picture of grace. And we see throughout history, time after time, there's picture after picture of grace. There's story after story of grace. And grace truly is just that idea that God has given us this unmerited favor. In, in, by all accounts, God had every right to wipe out the world. You go back to the flood, God had every right, yet by grace, he spared Noah and his family. And throughout every circumstance, we can look and, wow, was God being harsh? No, God is always gracious. It's who he is. And so now we see Paul bringing it kind of all full circle to make this great proclamation of truth. By grace, you have been saved. It is by grace. 
And this is perhaps the greatest doctrinal statement in all of Ephesians. A statement that is the focus and emphasis on this letter. It's a focus and emphasis on the ministry of Paul. And it is definitely the focus and emphasis on the Bible. God's great grace, God's unmerited favor. Jesus took our place on the cross, paid the price for our sins. What do we deserve? Romans tells us the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. The gift of God being eternal life. There is this great grace that Jesus took our place on the cross, that we are deserving of death because of sin. And so we have this picture of grace throughout all of history, throughout all of the Bible, through the life and ministry of Jesus, through the work of Jesus, through the words here of Paul, the apostle, this great father of faith to us. And now he clarifies the doctrine of salvation that he already brought up in the previous detail, right? That we, the the reality is we start with the point that We were dead in our trespasses and sin. If we can't realize that, we don't have any need for grace. If we can't admit that we are sinners, then what is grace for? It's not for me if I would say I don't need it. It's not for me if I say I'm I'm okay. I'm not dead in my trespasses and sin. I'm not completely lost without Jesus. If I make that claim, then there's no grace for me. I don't need it according to my own standards. But that's a lie, and that's what the devil would have you believe, that you don't need it. You're okay. You're a decent person. You do decent things. You're kind to people. Maybe you give to the poor and needy. You volunteer at a shelter. You even come to church on Sundays, and you volunteer when we have the work day or something like that, right? You could check off box after box after box. And the enemy, the devil, would have you believe that that's good enough. That that's okay. That's what we're going to talk about today. That in fact, that does nothing. That doesn't save us. It is by grace that we are saved. This statement is the greatest proclamation within Christianity. It is what makes us Christians. Grace. We are entirely and solely Christians by the grace of God. All things, in fact, are by the grace of God. I have any type of voice today by the grace of God. I have breath in my lungs today by the grace of God. I am blessed to have a wonderful wife and wonderful children, a wonderful family, by the grace of God. I'm blessed to be here in fellowship with you and in fellowship with Jesus by the grace of God. It is all by the grace. This song this morning, as I was studying throughout the week, I'm just thinking about this song through it all by the grace of God. And I didn't tell the team that. They're just praying through it, you know, how the spirit would lead. And then this morning, I was like, let me just look at their set. You know, we have it posted out on our, our online uh, portal. And I, let me look at their set and see what songs they're doing. 
as I'm praying this morning, and I see that song, and I text it. I'm like, this is great. Praise the Lord. That's the song. Through it all, by the grace of God. I was reminded of that a couple weeks ago when we were stranded in the airport in Orlando for 11 hours. And my flesh was screaming inside. And my flesh wanted to join the flesh of everybody else in the airport and start yelling and fighting and all sorts of things that were going on that was ungodly in every way. (laughs) But my flesh is like, screaming inside, boiling up inside. But I kept repeating actually the, the lyrics to that song. I kept singing it. At one point, I even took out my phone. I couldn't remember the lyrics, so I played it out loud in the airport. I'm like, just listening. Oh, man, through it all, by the grace of God. Every 20 minutes, take a step forward in line. Through it all, by the grace of God. Another 20 minutes, through it all, by the grace of God. Three hours in a line, you know. But that's the reality is that, you know what? I was there. I was able to enjoy a vacation with my family by the grace of God. And you know what? It could have been worse. I talked to some people in the airport. It was worse. They were on the airplane for five, six hours before getting off the airplane and then having to go wait in all those lines. And so I'm reminded of that. You know what? God is good. And everything that I get to experience in life is by his grace, even If it doesn't feel good, it is still by his grace that I have breath in my lungs, that I have have life to live. And with that, I'm gonna give back to him. I'm gonna honor him. All things are by the grace of God. And you know what the reality is? I don't deserve any of it. Not one thing. And I have to remind myself of that because what happens as Paul will get into and we'll study further into it as we go on, but Paul brings it up. He's like, you know what? We have a tendency to boast and we have a tendency to think that I deserve this. I deserve breath in my lungs today. I deserve a promotion. I deserve to be honored by my wife and children and all the people around me. I don't deserve any of it. And we established that several weeks ago, that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were completely lost. In the in this state that we are in, in our sin, what do we deserve? Death. That's the only thing that we deserve on our own strength. But the grace of God says otherwise. We don't deserve salvation, but that's grace. We get it. We were dead but made alive in Christ. That is the definition of grace, being brought from death to life. And there's no further difference, right? We could say, hey, you know, I, 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 things got a little better for me. That's God's grace, praise the Lord. Things are a lot better if you've been brought from death to life. There's quite a difference between those two things. I don't know if you know that. You know, and and Paul, he never gets tired of saying this. He never gets tired of teaching the grace of God because you know what? 
he understood the grace of God. He couldn't help but speak of the grace of God because he understood it. He was, a, he was radically persecuting Christians, dead. He realized dead in his trespasses and sins. But he understood the grace of God that he's been redeemed. And so since Paul can't help but repeat it, and since the Bible can't help but repeat it. And for all of history, we could all not help but repeat it through it all by the grace of God. Then we remind ourselves of the grace of God. And by the grace of God, we have been saved. As Paul says it twice here, Romans, uh, Ephesians 2, 5 and verse 8. Grace being that unmerited favor that he doesn't have to give to us, but he does because of his great love for us. And so he says, it's for by grace that you have been saved through faith, not by faith, because that could also cause a tendency for us to boast. Look at my faith. Isn't it great? Now I can be saved maybe by my faith, right? No, it's by grace and it's through faith. Now, the picture here we could get is like a hose, right? Water is the necessity, right? If you're going to water the lawn, you don't just put a hose out on the lawn. Just toss it out there and see what happens. Hey, that'll be great. Water some flowers, just throw it on the garden. Here's a hose. That's the idea of we are saved by faith alone, right? It's not true. It doesn't work. It's actually going to cause more damage than anything. Water's the necessity. The hose is the delivery system. Grace is the necessity. Faith is the hose. Faith is the delivery system. Faith is what it comes through. Grace comes through Faith, and that faith here is speaking of a trust and commitment, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the type of faith that we're talking about, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. And Jesus gave substance to our belief. He made it real when he rose from the dead. And of course, we studied all about that last week. The resurrection and the evidence for the resurrection, the evidence that, that there was eyewitnesses, the evidence in our lives today that Jesus is alive. We have been brought from death to life. We have been changed. Transformation being that great evidence of God's grace and mercy, that great evidence for the resurrection. And Jesus gave substance to our faith. And you know what? He still does every day. That's why we're here, because Jesus gave substance. And of course, we're, we're speaking further on a, uh, an active and a living faith, that it's not just this faith that we pray a prayer. Yeah, yeah, I believe in Jesus, and I prayed a prayer, and therefore I'm saved, right? By grace, through faith, and that faith, there we go. I believe but relationship with Jesus Christ actually demonstrate, is demonstrated through living faith. True relationship with Jesus Christ 
will bear fruit. And that fruit is faith. An active living faith, not just a prayer of salvation and then putting the label on ourselves to say, I am saved. I'm a Christian. And maybe we pray the prayer again and we pray the prayer again and we pray the prayer again. We just keep putting the label on us every Sunday or every other Sunday or once a month or once a year and think, well, that's what I'm missing. I need to pray the prayer again. Active living faith. It's not about the prayer. I say that when we give an altar call. There's no magic words in the prayer, but the work that God has done in your life and that you are giving your life to him, a commitment, a trust, a personal relationship, and that personal relationship will be demonstrated by a living faith. Real faith is alive. James says it well. Faith without works is dead. Is this a contradiction to what Paul says? He said it is by grace, through faith, not of works, James says that faith without works is dead. Is that a contradiction? No. In fact, it's a compliment or it's a description even. Paul says it's not works. James says we need works. There's a clear description here that James gives. He gives a a, a picture of what living faith looks like. That one, yeah, of course, we cannot be saved by works. There's nothing we can do that will bring salvation to us. But living faith is active. And we enter into a relationship with Jesus by grace, through faith. We work out our salvation with fear and trembling, as Paul says in Philippians, by grace, through faith. We live out our faith by doing what honors God, by grace, through faith. Jesus says says it well in Matthew chapter 5. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Are we saved by works? No. But are good works evidence of our relationship with Jesus? Yes. That is the evidence that we have been with Jesus. Our fellowship with Jesus will be demonstrated by our good works. And the purpose is not for good works to show something other than glory to God. Not to prove anything within ourselves. Because the reality is on our own, we can't actually be good. But we can be clothed in his righteousness. And then we are made righteous. We look righteous. We work out our salvation because of Christ in us. And so he further, he says, and that not of yourselves. So it's for by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is not of ourselves. And Paul here is explaining even that this faith is not even of ourselves. When we have relationship with Jesus Christ, it's not just this, you know, that we, well, we've done the work of faith and we keep walking by faith. When we have nearness with Jesus, it's kind of a beautiful automatic fruit that's happening. Fellowship with Jesus brings great faith, great acts of faith, great works of faith. 
And the fruit of faith will always glorify God and not man. It will point back to Jesus ultimately then so we cannot take the credit. We can't take the credit for grace. We can't take the credit for our faith because it still all comes back to his work. Faith is empty without Jesus. Faith is empty without the resurrection. The fact that we are Christians gives us no right for boasting. There's nothing of ourselves that gives us salvation because salvation is of God. And we established this early on in Ephesians. We have a responsibility. And our responsibility is to trust in Jesus, walk with Jesus, have fellowship with Jesus that we might experience his grace. You know what that is? Back to the hose, that's being connected to the spigot and turning the water on. If we're not connected, nothing good is gonna happen. Our responsibility is to be under that influence of Jesus Christ. The gift of God, it talks about here. It goes on to say, it is the gift of God. By grace, you've been saved through faith and that, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. What is the gift of God? Salvation. This is the gift of God. Grace supersedes all. It's a matter of fact. It is the gift of God. Out of, we've talked about it in God's economy There is riches, and the riches are his mercy, and the riches are his grace. And out of the abundance of his riches, the gift that he gives, I mean, it's just free giving. Salvation, 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 salvation. Grace, 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 grace. Because there's an abundance of who he is within his economy. Within the economy of eternity, it's grace, it's love, it's mercy. Salvation is the gift, and it is a matter of fact. It is the gift of God, and it is not of us. Imagine the greatest gift that you've ever gotten in your life. And there's a lot of good things, I'm sure. The greatest gift that you've ever given. You like to blow people's minds. You're like, here you go. And people are amazed, and maybe we're so excited when we receive that wonderful gift. But we can only give out of our riches, what we have, within our means. My son, Michael, had a birthday a couple weeks ago, and he's, he's special to give gifts to. You can give him very simple things, and he's got a big smile on his face. When he was like three years old for Christmas, we were like, what do you want for Christmas? He wanted an apple. That's all he asked for. I want an apple. Okay, but I mean, what else? Because we want to bless you because we're your parents and we love you. That's the reality. Relationship means I want to give to you. He's like, I want an apple. We gave him plenty of other stuff and his Aunt Kim, of course, got him an apple. She wrapped it up, gave it to him and he lit up over the apple as much as he did over the cool Lego set or the Hot Wheels track or something like that. Because of relationship, and you know, when you give to him, it's just this big smile on his face. We got to go back this week and look at pictures of his birthday years past. 
And we see always the big smile on his face, no matter what it was. There's that joy that you experience when you get the gift. Or as a parent in relationship, when you give the gift, imagine the heart of God when he gives out of the riches of his grace. The joy that was set before him is you and me. And he gave that grace and there's that great joy, this great anticipation that he has of continuing to just give and give and give out of the abundance of his riches. He's never running out of grace, amen? And we are never lacking need for it. None of us have the gift of salvation to give out, do we? We might be really wealthy and able to give great gifts, but we don't have salvation to give. We don't have grace to give, but that's who God is. He is rich in grace and mercy, and he gives the gift of salvation out of his great riches. Now, further, we get into verse nine. We have established here, it is by grace we've been saved through faith, not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works. Paul needs to drop this in here, lest anyone should boast. This verse nine, he puts this in here because it's really important because we have a tendency to boast and to make things of ourselves. I mean, the reality is like, you know, my my son's playing football right now and I text my wife, I'm watching my son Caleb play football and I, uh, at practice the other day, she's home, and I text her. I'm like, we got a good football player we, we made over here, you know? I'm like, yeah, look at him go. And I'm taking credit, you know? We have a tendency to boast, especially in our children. We're like, oh, look at, look at what I've done. <laughs> yeah, look at all the wickedness that you've done also. You know, the no and the screaming and the tantrums and the mine, all that is you too. Good job. I have to be reminded of that, right? But you know, we have that tendency to think, look at what I've done. This is amazing. And we don't give credit where credit's due. God made every one of us fearfully and wonderfully to have talents in football or art or knowledge and education, all these things, right? God has done it. Not us. But yet we spend our lives trying to boast in all of it. Look at what I've created. I've got my kids. And so what am I going to do? I'm going to boast in my kids. And as the older they get, I'm going to try to shape them into this boasting machine. Right? That they might succeed. And if they succeed, then that's my success. This, let this be a challenge to us as parents. What is success based on? I say to my wife all the time, I, I want my kids to walk with Jesus. And she says the same. If they walk with Jesus, everything else is gonna fall in line. There's no greater thing that we could teach our children than to walk with Jesus, to be connected to the spigot under the influence of the grace of God. 
But Paul puts this here because we have a tendency to take credit for all sorts of things. And the two statements work in tandem. It is not of works, lest anyone should boast. The fruit of works is boasting. The fruit of grace is humility. So it comes down to the question, who gets the credit for my salvation? Me or Jesus? We've established we have responsibility, but I don't get the credit. The, the problem, of course, is that we have this tendency. We have a tendency to boast in our efforts, in our abilities, in our strength. And Paul challenges us here to get away from the natural tendency and the natural thought process. There's no room for boasting within salvation because that would take away from the cross. Jesus paid it all. Now, this is a hymn we've been singing for years. We studied it last week when Jesus said, tell us die. It is finished. The debt is paid in full. And we all would say amen to that. But in our boasting, we're taking away from it and thinking that we can give our monopoly money to Jesus. That's the picture, right? That's the picture of it. It's like, oh, it's, it, here, Jesus, I got something to offer because I, I'm boasting in something. And here's my money. Here's my ability. Here's my effort. Here's my strength. It's monopoly money to him. Like, oh, thanks. Thanks for playing along. He doesn't need it. Jesus didn't say, it is finished, but I'll need a little help. He just said, it is finished. And he did it all by grace for the joy that was set before him. He loves you. He loves you so much. And Paul, as he says this, it is not of works lest anyone should boast. He's coming from a place of experience in boasting. This warning comes from a place of understanding. He knows the emptiness of boasting within himself. He was, of course, Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus, proud of his nationality, proud of his education and knowledge, proud of his religion, proud of his morality. But grace rendered all of those things irrelevant. Jesus rendered all those things irrelevant on the cross. And so we come and we offer, here, here's, let me help. Let me help you, Jesus. Let me help you with my ideas. Let me help you with my, my, my ability to gain salvation of some sort. Paul's saying, look, I was there. I was the Hebrew of Hebrews. I had great knowledge, great education, great understanding. I knew it all. But then what did he say? I have determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's what matters. And so within works and boasting, they go hand in hand. 
As I said, the statement is, it goes in tandem, these two statements. Not of works, lest anyone should boast, because works and boasting go hand in hand. And they can easily tempt us. And the devil knows it. Without realizing, we can begin to base our salvation on performance. And this is perhaps why we pray a prayer again and again and again and again. Oh, I lost my salvation this week. I gotta pray again. Based on performance, not based on grace. And are we allowing the grace of God to change us? Now, the reality is we do a lot. We're a busy people. More now, every day, we're a busy people. We're very busy doing a lot of things, putting in a lot of hard work, and that can mess with our hearts and minds. That's why we are reminded in Scripture to be still and know that He is God. And in that stillness, what we're able to do is take our minds off of ourselves and focus on the glory of God rather than what we're doing for God. Even, even good things. Guys, this is not, we're not talking about all bad things here. We're doing good stuff. Maybe you're, you're involved in ministry and you're serving people and you're pouring out love. And, but the reality is that it's, it's happening in the flesh. Maybe you're, you're walking with Jesus, but you're basing it on performance and it's happening in the flesh and you keep falling into sin because it's based on performance. You see, we do a lot, we're busy. But the danger within this, guys, it's legalism. And the enemy of grace is legalism. Legalism is dangerous and legalism is fueled by works. Legalism says, oh, what, what do I do? Look at me, look at what I've got to offer. Works give us and legalism give us credit. Again, we're not seeing James and Paul contradict each other but complement that we are not saved by works but by grace through faith. Living faith will be naturally demonstrated by good works. Good works are the fruit of relationship with Jesus. It's not the other way around. Sometimes we think relationship with Jesus or faith is the fruit of good works. So if I do all these things, this is the problem with the idea of religion. What can I do or what must I do to reach God? And if I do all these things, that's what brings me near to God. But it's not true. We need fellowship. We need to walk in his grace under the influence of his grace. That's what brings us near. And under that influence, then the good works will follow. So, legalism, the opposite of grace. There's a flaw within legalism. The flaw is the view of the law. The law was given to show us that we cannot keep it. The, the flaw within legalism is a list of rules that I will strive to live by. And if I do, then go me. We give ourselves a pat on the back, attaboy. That's the flaw, though, is the view of the law. The law is to show us that we can't keep it. Jesus doesn't want us caught up in a bunch of rules. He wants us caught up in relationship and fellowship with him. 
If we're caught up in a bunch of rules, it would make us all about works. And that will always fail because we are not perfect. We cannot be. None of us can satisfy the law. There's only one who satisfied the law and who satisfied the wrath of God, and that's Jesus Christ. And then he just says, come, fellowship with me. The law enslaves you, but grace frees you. Legalism points us to a salvation that is based on human works rather than God's grace. Legalism leads to reliance on my performance rather than his performance on the cross. Legalism binds us to works. But in reality, let's be real, legalism is easier, isn't it? Just give me the set of rules. We want to know how far we could go before we cross the line. Just make it black and white. I don't like the gray areas. We don't like gray, gray areas, but they're there. And the gray areas in scripture tell us, you know what? Run to Jesus. Flee from everything else and run to Jesus at all costs. That's the gray areas in scripture. They are for us to glorify him, to press into relationship with him, to draw closer and closer to him. We're not supposed to have all the answers. But legalism is easier. It's black and white. Just follow a set of rules. But the problem is that we will always fall short of a perfect and holy and righteous God. Always, 100%. Every single one of us will fall short. And in that, what happens is we could begin to think that we are saved by works. We also might think that we're condemned through our failures. But the cross was enough. So we cannot boast in ourselves because we fail. We will never satisfy the wrath of God. But we can. And we should boast in Jesus because he never fails. We can and we should boast in the grace of God, in the grace that we have given. And with that, we should remember that we are all saved by grace through faith and not withhold that grace from one another. We are so quick to withhold grace from one another. We're so quick to look at the imperfections in everybody else and then to cast judgment on everybody else. Not recognizing the fact, and you know what? If you're a believer in Jesus, you have a walk in relationship with Jesus, there's grace. And guys, listen, now, the fact that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ is all for the glory of God and not our glory 
That's why Paul puts it so important that we include that statement, not of works lest anyone should boast, because it is all about the glory of God. That's what we're here for. That's what his grace is for. That's what relationship is for. Closing with this, Jeremiah chapter nine, verse 23 and 24 says this, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. All for the glory of God. He's speaking of relationship, that he understands and knows God. That's what we are to glory in, and that alone. We have nothing to boast in because everything that we have is by the grace of God. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ for the glory of God. Let's pray.